Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, my friends. I'm so excited to tell you that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down, is now available for pre-order. You can go and do that now. The link will be in the show notes below. I would greatly appreciate each and every one of you if you could go and pre-order a copy right now. The book will be officially launched September 27th of this year, but you can go and pre-order a copy of the book right now. And I hope that you all consider doing that. All right. Let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Like many doctors and nutrition experts, best-selling author and one of my good friends, Dr. Stephen Gundry, has long endorsed the ketogenic diet. It is a diet that I have uh, adopted into my own life and has helped reverse the effects of leaky gut and so many other health conditions revolving around my gut, such as IBS and SIBO. But Dr. Gundry uh, has long endorsed this ketogenic diet, a style of eating that heavily restricts carbohydrate intake to make the body burn fat for fuel. Because ketosis offers a variety of health benefits, including weight loss, reduced risk of illness, and enhanced energy, Dr. Gundry believed his patients' efforts to adhere to the challenging regime were worthwhile. That is, until his research uncovered a shocking truth, we've all gotten keto wrong. In Unlocking the Keto Code, which is his brand new book available right now for all of you to go and get a copy of, links will be in the show notes below for you. But Dr. Gundry reveals the biological mechanisms that makes keto diets to so successful, a cellular process known as mitochondrial uncoupling, mitochondrial uncoupling which is a fascinating part of this conversation, which we do get into. As it turns out, ketones are not the magical fuel source they've been made out to be. In fact, the body cannot run on ketones and fats alone. Over the long term, a very low-carb diet can lead to muscle wasting and poor cognitive health. But luckily, Dr. Gundry is here to explain everything that you need revolving around how to have the best keto diet if that 
suits your own health needs. Uh, but his brand new book is called Unlocking the Keto Code, the revolutionary new science of keto that offers more be- benefits without deprivation. And for those of you that need to know more about who Dr. Gundry is, he's already been on the show. So if you didn't listen to my previous conversation with Dr. Gundry about the energy paradox, you can go and do that now. I'll link that in the show notes below for you to listen to. But Dr. Gundry is one of the world's top cardiothoracic surgeons and he's a pioneer in nutrition too, as well as a medical director at the International Heart and Lung Institute Center for Restorative Medicine. This guy is incredible. He still sees patients. He still has so much energy. He does a lot of podcasts. He has his own podcast too called the Dr. Gundry Podcast, which is pretty good. And he writes best-selling books like my favorite, The Plan Paradox, which you can definitely, I highly recommend that book if you are struggling with some some form of gut-related issue. I read The Plan Paradox uh, way back in 2018-19 and it radically transformed my own autoimmune problems as well as my IBS and then SIBO. So definitely, if you have any of those gut-related problems, go and get a copy of that book. But this is a very fascinating conversation. I always love speaking with Dr. Gundry, and I know that you guys are going to get so much out of this conversation. Like always, don't just go off the advice of someone like Dr. Gundry. You can if you wish, but... uh, Find what works best for you and your own health needs. Uh, check with your doctor if you if you must as well. But I personally endorse Dr. Gundry's work uh, and will for a while because he helped me in more ways than one radically transform my own health. And I'm back on the keto for the proper keto diet at the moment to pretty much fix what I did to myself again. Anyway, that's a long story, but I hope that you guys really enjoy this one. So please, if you do get something from it, share it around to all your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one too. Before you go, don't forget to leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And I also want to let you know as well that my very my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down, is now available for pre-order. The links for that on Amazon will be available in the show notes below. I really hope that you guys get a copy of that book. And yeah, you just enjoy the read because I put my heart and soul into it and I hope that it helps someone out there too. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is, un- it is time to journey with me into this story box and unlock the keto code officially and more properly as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice and the stories of none other than my friend and one of the, the most awesome doctors around, Dr. Stephen Gundry. It's great to be back on Storybox. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making the time to be here again. And thank you for writing another book so we can talk. (laughs) That's right. Good to see you again, Jim. Always, always love being able to speak with you and unbox more of your wisdom and advice from my audience. Uh, The very first question that I have for you is why keto? Well, I I wrote this book because when I was doing The Energy Paradox, my last book, I was trying to explain the benefits of a ketogenic diet and what 
ketones do. And I've, I have a ketogenic version in all my books, including The Plant Paradox. So, and I was, I'm a big fan of what ketones supposedly do. But as I, in all my books, I try to put solid research and reference for whatever I say. And lo and behold, when I really started to say, okay, you know, here's the proof that this is how this works. This is what we all believe. It turns out that the actual research is about 180 degrees opposite of what is actually happening with ketones. And when, you know, when I saw that, I said, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've got to re-examine everything I've ever thought about ketones. And um, they are not the super fuel that everybody thinks they are. They are not a method to increase the efficiency of fat burning. In fact, they're exactly the opposite. And so if they don't do these things that all of us keto experts said, what do they do? And are they doing something that's really good? It turns out they do something that's really good. Um, that was the purpose of writing the book. For those people that don't know what ketones are and what their purpose is in the body, would you be able to explain a little bit more for people? Sure. Um, briefly, ketones were actually discovered uh, back in the 1800s, late 1800s, uh, as a uh, fat-soluble, uh, water-soluble fat molecule that when people were starving, um, these ketones appeared in the blood and also in the urine. Uh, subsequently, it was found that type 1 diabetics um, made a lot of ketones, and many people assume ketoacidosis, which is really bad for you, must be what ketones do, and that's actually not the case. The ketogenic diet was actually started in the 1930s as a treatment form for childhood epilepsy, and this was before any drugs were available. And lo and behold, uh, the reason it was started is that children with epilepsy who were starving because they were having so many epileptic fits, mm. the less they ate, the more their seizures went away. And they went, wow, what, you know, what's the deal with that? Well, you can't starve a kid. Uh, so they realized that it was the ketones that were suppressing the seizures. Mm. So at the Mayo Clinic, the, the ketogenic diet was coined at the Mayo Clinic to put people on an 80% fat diet, 10% carbohydrates, and 10% protein, kids. And that diet was remarkably effective. About 50% of kids had complete seizure control. And the diet was used until drugs like phenobarbital and dilantin uh, came along. And then it kind of fell off as, as a method. But people were intrigued with, okay, you know, how did ketones help the brain? It wasn't until uh, the 1970s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s, where researchers primarily at Harvard, George Cahill and Dr. Owens, and at the NIH, Dr. Veach, really got into what ketones were doing, particularly for the brain. Real briefly, most of us can, if we run out of sugar, uh, can start generating free fatty acids out of our fat cells. And those free fatty acids, fats, can be used by our mitochondria, the energy producing organelles, to generate ATP. And they can do it really well with that. Mm -hmm. The problem is that these 
free fatty acids are too big and bulky to get through the blood-brain barrier into the brain. So that's a real problem. The brain loves glucose, but if glucose is run out, what do you do? Well, it just so happens that free fatty acids can go to the liver and be converted to ketones. And ketones are water-soluble small molecules, and lo and behold, they can get to the brain. So it's a um, survival mechanism when you run out of food. And believe it or not, we used to run out of food all the time. Uh, it could keep the brain going uh, until, you know, you had your next kill or found a patch of berries or whatever. Unfortunately, researchers said, well, ketones must be a great brain fuel because your brain keeps going. Well, Again, work from Cahill and Owens and Veach actually found the exact opposite. Dr. Owens in 2004 showed that in human volunteers, ketones at full ketosis, the brain only uses 60 to 70% of its fuel as ketones. It still needs 30 to 40% fuel from glucose. So, so much for a super fuel. The full body, which is really shocking, at full ketosis, only 30% of the energy needs are met by using ketones. 70% are from free fatty acids. So you go, well, wait a minute. This isn't a super fuel. It's, it's a survival mechanism fuel, and it keeps the brain going in hard times. But what about its miraculous ability to help you burn fat? you know, like a ketogenic, ketogenic diet is supposed to do. What's fascinating is even I said, well, ketones make you an efficient fat burner. And you're going to be burning up all your fat because you efficiently burn fat. Now, there's a problem with that. And that is the definition of efficiency is to get more out of something, more energy, more mileage, and I use the example of, uh, of cars. If I want an efficient car that is efficient at burning gas, let's call gas fat, I'd get a Toyota Prius. I can go 50 miles on a gallon of gas. That's efficiency. But if I wanted to waste gas, if I wanted to be really inefficient in using gas, I'd buy a Ferrari. Now, there might be other reasons I'd want a Ferrari, but that's beside the point. So a Ferrari is an incredibly inefficient way to use gasoline. What happens is we don't want to be a Toyota Prius if we're trying to lose weight. And the problem with a high-fat diet, fat has nine calories per gram versus four calories per gram of protein or carbohydrates. So if I'm an efficient fat burner, and I'm eating a lot of fat, it's no wonder that a lot of people on a ketogenic diet actually gain weight. And I talk about those people in the book. So what ketones do, surprisingly, and this has, believe it or not, been known since 1978, is they actually tell mitochondria to literally waste a huge amount of calories that they might otherwise burn to produce ATP. Now, that seems in a way really stupid. 
Uh, and, I, and I go through all the reasons why this happens in the book. Simplistically, it's called mitochondrial uncoupling. And I, I'm sorry we have to use that term, but it's in the literature. And I spent six months trying to think of a better term. But in, in the end, my editor and I said, no, 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 this, this is what happens simplistically. A pressure cooker builds up pressure. And at some point, that pressure cooker is going to blow the lid off the pressure cooker. Uh, my mother did it when I was growing up. Um, stuff all over the ceiling. It was great fun. Uh, but the pressure cooker has a release valve, a pop-off valve, so that the, when the pressure gets too high, psh, the steam comes out. Mitochondria, it, making energy is really damaging to mitochondria. It's hard work. It's high pressure. It's hot and boiling and steaming in the mitochondria. So the mitochondria have pressure release valves. They actually have five of them and they're controlled by uncoupling proteins. And they're literally pressure release valves that say, hey, a lot of the stuff that we're using to make energy, ooh, it's too tough in here. Let's just release this stuff. And so we don't damage the mitochondria. And that's called mitochondrial uncoupling. The best way to look at it is if you take those calories and don't make it into energy, you basically throw them away. So it's a caloric bypass on your mitochondria. And what's fascinating is we, we now know that if you take uh, the super old people who are thriving and measure their amount of pop-off valves, how they're doing, they have the best functioning, highest pop-off valves of anybody. They're actually throwing away energy all the time. Mm. And I talk about this um, in the book. One of the, most of us think our genes are our destiny, right? And in fact, that's not true at all. But one of the most striking studies was in twins who carry the same genome. And there are sets of twins where one is thin and the other is fat. And you go, you know, what the heck? They have the same genes. So obviously it's not a fat gene that's doing this. So they've looked at mitochondria in these twins and the fat twins mitochondria are termed lazy. And that has nothing to do with the twin. They're not lazy, but their mitochondria really kind of turn most of everything you give them into fat. On the other hand, the thin twins are wasting energy. They're, they're running at high speed, but throwing literally calories away. And that explains why all of us um, have a skinny friend who eats literally anything they want. And they're, they're skinny. And then there's, you know, me and almost the rest of the world who work out and, you know, they're really, you know, we're really you know, working at this. And yet, you know, we eat a croissant and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> there's a pound the next day. Wait, what the heck? You know, and, and it actually explains why these skinny people are the way they are because of this ability to waste fuel, not be efficient, just literally throw it away. Huh. 
Yeah. Who knew? Who knew that? <laughs> this is uh, this is a lot for me to sort of unpack there for for everyone. There's a lot of great great information there, but it sounds like to me because we, we've you said that we we've known this since 1970 something. Yeah. But what's what's gone wrong? Like, why have we been lied to for such a long time? If we've known it for like yes. <laughs> We we haven't been lied to, but and again, um, if and I have a fun time uh, putting out uh, written statements in many of the keto experts' books that are <laughs> absolutely categorically wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, for instance, we know that when you're on a ketogenic diet or when you're starving free fatty acids from fat cells can go to the liver and be converted into ketones. Now, what's interesting, that that go to the brain. What's interesting is the liver cannot use ketones. And if they could, they keep them for the cells, but the liver cannot use ketones as a fuel. So it's released. And one of my favorite is that the ketones are the favorite fuel of the liver. Well, no, they're not. Um, That's basic physiology. Uh, Or that um, carbs are a dirty fuel and ketones are a clean fuel. No, there's absolutely no evidence of that. There's a famous quote that uh, three quarters of the world's population is carbohydrate intolerant. And it turns out the reference to that quote has nothing to do with carbohydrates. It has to do with a sugar in milk called lactose. And it's true. Three quarters of the world are lactose intolerant, but that doesn't mean that they're carbohydrate intolerant. But people latch onto this and go, oh, no wonder we have to be on a ketogenic diet, a low carb diet. Three quarters is a of us can't eat carbohydrates. No wonder it works. It's not true at all. And one of the reasons I wrote this is once you know how ketones work to tell mitochondria to waste fuel, then you can look for all these other substances that that actually act as if they're ketones that tell mitochondria to to waste fuel. And in fact, the cool thing is a ton of these substances are in carbohydrate containing foods. So the reason I wrote the book is, well, look, in a way you can have your cake and eat it too, because you do not have to follow a high fat diet to get the results you're looking for. If you know the hacks, if you know the tricks and Mm. it's very liberating. Mm. Because... Go, go ahead. You, you go. Sorry. Well, it's because if you if you look statistically, 60% of people who follow ketogenic diet stop within a month or two, uh, either because it's it, it, eating that much fat just gets really hard to do. But also, as I write in the book, there's actually good evidence that animals, all animals, have a carbohydrate-sensing a system that actually makes you look for carbohydrates. And so you're you're working against your basic wiring when you're trying to do this. So 
in unlocking the keto code, what I want to give people is, is a diet that they can live with literally and figuratively. And that's, it's, it's, it's really kind of fun to do. A lot of people are actually scared of the word fat because, and even some of the food groups that contribute, even if they're healthy fats, right? Yeah. They, they sort of avoid those, but yet they don't understand that carbohydrates can contribute to excess weight that we don't need. Um, so what are some great ways, can we become, what are some ways we can come, we become better fat burners, <laughs> if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the book is all the tricks to become a fat burner and a better way to put it is a fat waster. Um, one of the easiest ways that I've talked about for years is time-restricted eating, time-controlled eating. Shorten the amount of time during the day, during the 24-hour cycle that you start eating and finish eating. And in the book, I hold people's hands to get them to basically not eat break fast until about noon and then to stop eating at about seven o'clock at night. So you have around a seven hour window of eating. Now, the reason I do this is not conjecture. There's beautiful animal studies that I show in the book make a huge difference in animals longevity, number one, in avoiding Alzheimer's, number two, and actually in reducing their cancer risk, number three. So that sounds pretty good. But there's a beautiful Italian athlete study uh, they, that I, I think is really sums up this information. They took Italian athletes, a cyclist, and they put them on a training table. Um, you know what that means. Uh, everybody ate the same stuff for three months. They divided them into two groups. One group ate in a 12-hour eating window. They had breakfast at 8 a.m. They had lunch at 1 o'clock. They had to finish dinner by 8 o'clock. 12-hour eating window. Mm -hmm. The other group had the same food. Breakfast was at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Lunch was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Dinner was at 8 o'clock, a seven-hour eating window. They looked at what happened to them. The seven-hour eating window, guys, lost weight. The 12-hour window didn't. Same amount of food. Mm. They had the same muscular performance, but the guys in the seven-hour windows dramatically lowered their insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1, which is still our best blood measurement of how fast or slow we're aging. So same food, same, you know, same everything. They just compressed the eating window. Now, the reason that worked is because if we have metabolic flexibility, the ability to shift burning sugar versus fat, which we should have, but most people don't, about eight hours after we finish our last meal, we begin to make ketones. By 12 hours after our last meal, they start to ramp up. So we know that the 12-hour window guys didn't really get any benefit. But now let's extend that 12 hours another like five hours. So now we've got 
five hour extra hours of ketones telling our mitochondria to start popping off fuel, to start wasting fuel. And that explains, number one, why this is so effective. Now, it's one thing for me to say, okay, everybody, tomorrow we're going to start having our first meal at noon. And quite frankly, most people would fall flat on their face. Um, they get headachey, they run out of energy. But what I do is say, okay, look, let's meet in the middle. Um, let's suppose you eat breakfast at seven o'clock every morning. Next week, let's have breakfast at eight. And we'll do that all week. On the weekends, take it off. Enjoy yourself. We'll meet again next week and we'll have breakfast at nine. Just one more hour. We'll do that all week. We'll take the weekend off. And we'll do this one hour every week for five weeks. And guess what? By the end of five weeks, we'll be having breakfast at noon and it'll be like nothing. You know, as well as I do, when you start an exercise program, um, you don't lift a 40 pound dumbbell and do bicep curls. Uh, when you start, uh, your arms would fall to the floor. No, but <laughs> they would tear. You'd rip your biceps. Correct. But you, you look at a, a, a 40 pounder. And you go, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Don't you have anything better? But you had to work your way up gradually. And it's the same way with this. This is kind of an exercise program for our mitochondria. And this is training. And if you accomplish this training, you get the benefits. So that's just one way. Uh, and the book goes into all these other tricks of uncoupling mitochondria. One of my favorite is goat and sheep milk products. Huh. How does that work? Wow. Uh, so... Most people in the ketogenic community know about the benefit of MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides. Medium chain triglycerides are unique among fats in that they're absorbed from our intestines and go directly to our liver. In the liver, they're converted directly into ketones, regardless of what else you're eating. So, and this was actually known about in childhood epilepsy. Um, eventually, there was an MCT oil-based diet for childhood ep epilepsy, where the kids could have a lot more carbohydrates and a lot more protein because they were always generating ketones from the MCT oil. And it's been a part of my ketogenic diet ever since I started working with patients. So MCT oil is clear, it's flavorless, and you can use it to actually produce ketones. I joke that you could have a fruit salad, which would be the antithesis of a keto diet, and have a tablespoon of MCT oil, and you would make ketones, even though you ate all those carbohydrates. Now, I don't want you to have fruit salad, but that's another point. Um, <laughs> now, yes. it, turns out, it turns out that goat and sheep milk 30% of the calories in goat and sheep milk are MCTs. And so lo and behold, you can have like goat yogurt or sheep yogurt, or goat cheese or sheep cheese, and actually generate ketones just in the process of enjoying your goat or sheep yogurt or a piece of goat cheese. So as I write in the book, goat cheese is really the goat of cheeses, the uh, greatest of all time. 
Interestingly enough, the types of medium chain triglycerides, C6, C8, C10, are named copra after goat because oh. that's where they were first discovered. So this fun is fact. Any, fun fact. Go for it. Yeah, any any goat or sheep product. Hey friends, sorry to disturb you from listening to this amazing conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-orders. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes below. So if you do want to learn how to lead your life in the very best way possible and you love stories and you want to learn more about my story, the living roller coaster ride that it is, then go and pre-order a copy right now. The book will be uh, available everywhere books are sold September 27th. But but if you can go and pre-order it now, I would be so, so grateful. All right, my friends, let's get back into the incredible story. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And you, Does, and doesn't have to be organic? Well, most goats, believe it or not, uh, will only eat uh, weeds and grass. They uh, You can't feed them grains. Wow. So if we were to look at the, the back and the ingredients list, should we watch out for anything in particular or just... Better just say goat or sheep. Um, <laughs> nothing else. Nothing else. <laughs> nothing, none, none of the other rubbish stuff, but... Right. I'm I'm curious about the the ketosis process. I mean, is it dangerous for us to be in a continual state of ketosis? Absolutely. Yeah. Number one, there's no evidence that our ancestors would have ever been in continuous ketosis because can you imagine if um, you know we haven't eaten for a week and we you know stumble we kill an antelope. And we, you know, you and I, you know, ketogenic dieters, we go, oh, gee, I, I, I better not eat any of that because, you know, I want to stay in ketosis. Of course not. You know, you eat, you're full, you know, you, you really stuff yourself. Same way you hit a tree with berries. You're you know, like, oh, gee, I really only should have one or two. I want to stay in ketosis. Of course not. You're going to cram your mouth full. So the, the evidence is continuous ketosis actually begins to produce insulin resistance and muscle wasting. And this is oh. sadly um, what happens to people who try to do ketosis 24-7, you know, seven days a week, um, 365 days a year. And it's because, uh, as I go into the book, mitochondria, if you're in continuous ketosis, figure that the end is near because what the heck are all these ketones always being here? You must be starving to death and they're going to protect themselves at all costs. And there's really cool evidence that the mitochondria make the muscles resistant to insulin so that the muscles don't steal any of the food. And they actually make all the proteins for themselves to keep themselves alive and stop making proteins for building muscle. So this is, it's a long-term problem that there is no, you know, historical evidence, physiologic evidence that continuous ketosis is good for us. Mm. Yeah. My mom's always warning me. She's like, don't go into ketosis because of your kidneys won't be good for them. And same for, your, same for your muscles, <laughs> but I'm not always in ketosis. Like, no, and, it, and in fact, most 
most people uh, who think they're continuously in ketosis when when we look at them in our clinic they're they're not in fact a huge number of ketogenic dieters uh, never actually get into proper ketosis um, huh. because of the foods they're eating right okay so speaking about the kinds of foods that we should be eating on in the ketogenic diet i know you're a big advocate for certain food groups and ones that you shouldn't touch albeit lectins being one of them yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're famous for that um so what are some of the the oils more or less or, or the fats that we should be consuming i I've, i noticed in the book that you mentioned canola oil but it has to be organic correct why, why is that Turns out that almost all canola oil in the United States is uh, sprayed, or canola seeds uh, are sprayed with Roundup. And so that it, canola had been banned from my previous books because of that. But there's now some organic canola producers. Now, canola oil has uh, a, a big con a constituent of uh, canola oil is alpha-linolenic acid better known as ALA. Alpha-linolenic acid is a short-chain omega-3 fat. Uh, the other short-chain omega-6 fat is linoleic acid. And I'm sorry, the terms are really close. Um, so there's some really cool studies showing that ALA uncouples mitochondria, allow mitochondria to let off steam. And there's a very excuse me, famous study in heart disease called the Leon heart diet, lion heart diet. Yeah. And they took people who had known heart disease, they had heart attacks, and they randomized them to two diets. One, a Mediterranean diet where they had to have a, a butter spread that was made out of alpha linoleic, uh, linolenic acid, ALA. The other group followed the American Heart Association low-fat diet. The study was supposed to go five years. They stopped the study after three years because the ALA group had vastly superior results. And they felt it was unethical to continue the study because it was so different. When the researchers uh, finally broke down everything possible in the two diets that would have contributed to this, the one factor that they found made a difference was the amount of ALA in their blood. I mean, the one factor uh, that made all the difference. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's a that's a really interesting, and you can get it in uh, ground flax seeds. You can get it in uh, flaxseed oil, another great source for it. So that's one thing. The other thing that I think is important that the Framingham Heart Study, which is the world's longest heart study began back in the 1940s. It's now, I think, in the third generation of, of families. They found that there's really only four fats that make a difference in heart health and longevity. One of them is DHA, the uh, long chain omega-3 fat in fish oil. Uh, another one, which surprises me, well, maybe not, is uh, contained in macadamia nut oil, omega-7. And then there's some fats that are only contained primarily in dairy, of all things. And it 
the more you have of these fats, including what's called very long chain fat, uh, the better your health and the longer you live. So, and those were the, those are the keys to help. So uh, get yourself some macadamia nuts, get yourself some macadamia nut oil and uh, have some fish oil and get yourself some ALA. Well, I, for one, am a big proponent on macadamia nuts and macadamia oil. We have it at home all the time. Yeah. Great stuff. Yes. Yeah, so you're getting a really cool uh, uncoupling oil, uh, omega seven, and it's a really cool stuff. Usually, when mom just says, "Look, eat this; it's good for you; it's healthy," I just follow along with it. Like I trust her judgment because more than likely she's researched it more than I have. But hearing you talk about it makes a lot more sense for me <laughs> as well. So, um, so mom's right on this one. Yes, she is. <laughs> Moms are usually right. Um, you know, just as an aside with, with DHA, DHA, the amount of DHA in your brain uh, correlates with the size of your brain and the size of your memory centers, the hippocampus. So mom was right when she said fish is brain food. She didn't know why she was right, but she knew this intrinsically. Fascinating stuff. And how much fat is too much fat? Like how much should we be eating on a daily basis? So that's a great question. There's actually two studies, long-term human studies, uh, looking at humans who consume 10 tablespoons of olive oil a day. That's actually a liter of olive oil per week. And uh, uh, the Predimed study out of Spain There's two blue zones that consume a liter of olive oil per week. But interestingly enough, if weight loss is your objective, and for many people reading this book, it is, there's studies comparing weight loss in humans on an MCT oil-based diet versus an olive oil-based diet. And two different studies showed that same calories, same amount of calories, the people who got the MCT oil in their diet lost three to four kilograms more than the olive oil uh, diet. So uh, again, why? Because the MCTs are converted into ketones and the ketones tell your mitochondria to do a caloric bypass, waste calories. We want our mitochondria to become Ferraris in more ways than one. So the MCT, does that have like other health benefits the same as olive oils? No. So olive oil's big health benefit is actually in the polyphenols it contains. And that's a big part of the book that polyphenols in and of themselves are superb mitochondrial uncouplers. Uh, But MCT makes ketones every time you use it. So, you know, have yourself a a piece of sheep cheese or goat cheese and uncouple your mitochondria. What what a nice thing. Amazing. The nice thing about, oh, go ahead. You go, sorry. (laughs) Well, the great thing about this book is you do not have to eat an unpalatable, you know, 80% fat diet and avoid carbohydrates like the plague to actually achieve the benefits of a ketogenic diet, as long as you know these various hacks. And that's what's so exciting. It's very exciting, I think. And because yeah. I've been following keto for 
a long time. I think ever since I found out about your plant paradox book and uh, trying to fix my gut, I found that fats work a lot better for my system, the kind of fat that I was eating. In fact, like it helps me sort of re-fix my IBS and my SIBO, which was hugely beneficial and helpful for me. So for those people that um, I guess that are looking for a particular diet of such, how does a ketogenic diet compare to other diets and is it the best diet out there? Well, I think you've got to do understand why you're doing a ketogenic diet. And I hope with this book, people will realize that you do not have to have a high fat diet to get the benefits of a ketogenic diet. In fact, uh, some of my uh, mainstream ketogenic dieters, when we look at their blood work, uh, they feel great. But when we look at their blood work, we see pretty impressive inflammation on the inside of their blood vessels. We see that, strangely enough, their blood vessels are very stiff. They don't get flexibility. Mm -hmm. And when we kind of take them from that high fat diet and change them over to my ketogenic diet, and you may have noticed in the plant paradox, my ketogenic diet has actually lots of carbohydrates that are mm -hmm that are fair. And people, as I talk about in the book, people follow that diet and the weight kind of falls off of them. And sometimes to the point that, holy cow, you know, I got to stop. Uh, you know, how do I gain some weight? And it's because of what you're eating in this program just automatically turns your mitochondria into Ferraris and just literally, you know, the fuel heads out the tailpipe, if you like. Comparing your Plant Paradox book diet to this diet, has it changed a great deal? Because I'm still yet to finish the Keto Code book. So the Keto Code book uh, literally explains why the ketogenic version of my diet has such a good effect. And it's like, okay, here's the stuff I didn't know when I designed, you know, chapter 10, the ketogenic intensive care program, here's how, here's what's really happening at the, you know, at the cellular level. And here now let's take this information and take it a step farther. Let's do time restricted eating or intermittent fasting. Let's add things like, you know, goat cheese and sheep cheese or goat yogurt or sheep yogurt safely into our diet. Let's enjoy them. Um, so it, it actually offers even more variety than one would have thought. Mm. Would I be able to ask you a few more questions? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, I've got a hard out uh, in a few minutes. So no worries. Two final questions for you. So what are some no-go foods, no-go foods on the ketogenic diet that most people would actually include in a ketogenic diet, just so people are aware? So as I, I, I have a whole chapter on good fats and bad fats, and 
most of the fats in a ketogenic diet, like bacon, for instance, um, you know, just as an example, there's a beautiful paper that shows the effect of bacon on a ketogenic diet is actually horrible in terms of the function of your cells versus, for instance, olive oil or MCT oil. So it's simple things like this. I mean, a pound of cream cheese is not really going to thwart your efforts long term. And so I see people, you know, with a pound of cream cheese with a with a side of bacon and with cheddar cheese, you know, chaser. And really, as the book shows, there's really good reasons why this is not a great idea long term for you. Mm. Yeah. Where can people get a copy of this book and learn more about your incredible work, Dr. Gunji? And the real book is a hardcover. That's just a preprint. Uh, you can get it at wherever you get books, uh, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com. Please visit your local bookseller. As you know, I have multiple New York Times bestsellers. So almost all bookstores have my books and they'll they'll be ordering this one because it's, it'll be a bestseller. And so wherever you, wherever you can get them, get them. I have no doubt that this book will become a bestseller, but Dr. Gundry, thank you so much for unlocking the Keto Code for us today. I really do appreciate, once again, your time and speaking with you on the Storybox podcast. Well, and thank you for allowing me to tell my story on your box. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.